1: at LuckyLandslots.com
2: Available to players in the U.S. Excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law.
1: 18
0: plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome to Lockheed Martin Space Makers. We live happily well beyond the bounds of gravity. The podcast that takes you out of this world
2: for an inside look at some of our most challenging and innovative missions. We're working on habitation technologies to protect people, whether it's in orbit, whether it's on the moon or on Mars.
1: In season two, We explore Lockheed Martin's bold vision of a future that we call Space 2050.
2: I think about autonomous swarms on the lunar surface building new habitats.
0: For a lot of those astronauts, they're going to have to do processing at the edge, especially as we go to Mars and other places further out. We give you an inside look at the innovations we are developing to make that future a reality.
1: We're going to need to end this complete dependence on coming back to Earth.
2: We just have this drive. It's in our DNA to go, to explore, to learn. The end isn't
1: even Mars. To me, the goal is the edge of the known universe. Because getting there is just the beginning. A California's Great America Gold Pass is your ticket to unlimited visits the rest of this year and all through 2023. That's non-stop surprises at the all-new Tricks and Treats, endless wonder at Winterfest, and unlimited thrills on coasters like Railblazer and at South Bay Shores, plus free parking, all for just $95 plus applicable fees. So give yourself more fun to look forward to. Get your Gold Pass now at CagreatAmerica.com.
0: This is the Sons of UCF
3: podcast, your place for UCF sports talk year-round. Now, here is Adam and Mike.
2: All right, welcome back in all of our Knight Nation fans out there. This is the Sons of UCF. We are on for the 134th edition of the show my name is adam and as always i have my best friend in yours mr ucf mike one mike welcome back to the show for yet another week my friend how are you
4: all right man the street continues i think we've almost gone a whole year i can't remember the last time we took a week off and we almost missed this week we're doing it a, a day late but here we are this i the cowrickman street continues maybe we're going to come to an end soon right
2: you never know what we're going to do, Mike. Yeah, that's the that's the beauty of this show, is if you think that there's a lot of planning going on uh, and whatnot, it, there's a very haphazard nature to how we put the show together, and hopefully that's what makes it uh, your favorite UCF podcast. although the number two UCF podcast. I don't know how these rankings are official, Mike. But let's preview what we have on the show for you tonight. Obviously, Cow of the Week will return, as always. Uh, I can update you, if you haven't heard yet, on last week's Cow of the Week from my standpoint. We'll have another big three. This one's a little bit closer to home. This is uh we're going to do it a little differently, too. We'll show you what that's like. But big three guests uh, on the UCF, our son's UCF podcast. Uh, so some uh, some infighting between Mike and I we will do some headlines as well. And then another replay interview. We've got so many of these. We're trying to find creative ways to get them out to you. So back on episode number 134, so literally 100 episodes ago. We had on one of, the, uh, one of the all-time greats at UCF and uh, a guy who went on to have a fantastic NFL career. He was known as Mike Walker back then, but he's now known as Mike Sims Walker. He joined us, uh, man, this is probably circa February, March of 2019. Some of you may have missed that interview, so we're going to bring that back as well. Uh, so action-packed show, again, as always, Mike, excited to re-air the Mike Sims Walker. I thought it was a good convo back then, and I think it's still a good convo now.
4: Yep, told some good stories about his career. He, remember he had a major injury during his career, his comeback, the whole his whole experience of the Hawaii Bowl. I think you guys are going to enjoy that story too.
2: And stay for the very end where I, um, I challenge him on whether or not his uh, nephew uh, uh, was going to go to UCF. He had committed to FSU at that point in time, and uh, he did not like that question. So stay for, uh, stay for that at the very end of the show, Mike. But let's get, uh, let's get right off the top here and make sure you know how to find us, follow us, at Sons UCF on all those social media things, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, search for us there. Mike can be found on Twitter at ucfmike one. Make sure that you're also going to our new website, Tonightsmedia.com. You'll find some UCF stuff there. All of our content is being archived there for your listening and viewing pleasures. When I say viewing, what I'm referring to is the Sons of UCF live each Thursday night on the social media stuff featuring uh, the one and only Trace Chalgo. So make sure you do all that stuff. Subscribe to this show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, uh, and Mike and I would uh, we'd, we'd definitely be happy about all that.
4: Yeah. We put a lot of work into these things. We do it twice a week. So there's a lot of content out there and eventually we're going to write some more blogs. <laughs> I'm promising that yeah, for a while.
2: Yeah,
1: But
4: yeah, we, we just posted up some new YouTube page, uh, videos last week. So there's been something on the website every week, at
2: least. Yeah, Mike said initially, and when we launched TwoNightsMedia.com, that we'd have daily content. That was like a month ago. But I trust me, I actually had an article for a story. I wrote like the first part, and then I got bored. Uh, so we will get uh, we will get rolling on that soon. But let's get rolling on the show for the week, Mike. We're gonna do some headline stuff, and uh, we'll do it a little differently, like we did last week. We'll do this in kind of in the theme of charge on, charge off. So if you're not familiar with that, I'll give Mike a statement. He tells me if he agrees with it, charge on, or disagrees with it, charge off. And that will be our... um our way of introducing headlines, Mike. So let's start with the first one announced today on, uh, on Tuesday. But if you are with us on the sun's UCF live show, and you listened to the podcast last week, this announcement was not new to you, but UCF and FAU make it official. They have a two game home and home series that will be, uh, will be happening in the near future. Uh, UCF will head down to Boca on the uh, September 17th, 2020, and then uh, back up to Orlando in 2025. So on home and home, with FAU was announced today, which again was not news to you. But Mike, here's the question: UCF is beneath a home and home with FAU. Charge on or charge off?
4: First of all, I thought we were changing the name of this segment to mouths on or mouths off. That's I didn't get the memo.
2: I didn't get the memo. No, I didn't get the memo. On that. <laughs> I got. I'll check. I'll check my email. Hold on.
4: All right. Well, I'm gonna charge off. We're not. We're not above a series with FAU. In fact, this is exactly what we've been saying about the bigger schools when it comes to us. Florida and Florida State and Miami, we want one-for-ones with them. Why should, we get not, why should we have to get two-for-ones with FAU and FIU? One-for-one one is fair with them, too, especially considering in the nationals level, we're viewed as being in the same tier conference, a G5. So why should we get a two-for-one with these guys? One-for-one one is fine. I have no problems with it. In fact, I love the series with FAU. I told you guys personally, it's a very quick drive for me. So that's the best possible opponent in my eyes. If you're not going to be at home, FAU, FIU are closer to my house than UCF games at home. So I love those series for me.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, there's some people who are saying like that they, they hoped and they expected that, um, you know, Timo Terry Mohaja would come out with a much bigger announcement of scheduling. Uh, again, if you listen to Mike's interview with, with Timo, he indicated uh, that there was another announcement coming down the pike at some point. Um, he seemed pretty excited about it, but he was not ready to announce it because quote unquote, the ink wasn't dry yet. So maybe there's another announcement coming that helps with this one. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were hoping that we would get some sort of big, you know, we're going to get Florida, we're going to get Alabama, we're going to get Tennessee. And so when if you if you set your targets there, obviously FAU seems a little bit different. But if you think about it logically, it does offer a lot of advantages to, to UCF. One, you just mentioned, Mike, and probably not the most important, but. Alumni base down there in South Florida, uh, a game that folks can get to. Even folks from Orlando will, will probably travel on down there as well. So uh, to, to have that or to get that um, for the fans down there, I think is fine. Uh, and I think people will enjoy that. They're usually UCF does really well down at FAU from a, a fan standpoint, so there's that. Two south Florida is a fertile recruiting ground. We see Gus is wanting to draw sort of that fence around the Orlando area and really kind of dominate uh, recruiting. It doesn't hurt to get a, a game in the backyard of a lot of talented kids in, in Broward, Palm Beach County, even if Dade County kids want to drive up. Uh, we know how Gus is outreach from that standpoint, so it offers you a chance to go down, particularly early. Uh, in 2022 and, and when Gus is still trying to build out this class. So it gives you a drivable game at that point. Um, and it also gives you a ability to keep your kids in state. So it gives you a road game, but in state road game. Uh, so, you know, kind of the wear and tear mileage of travel helps out. And and more likely than not, Mike, it gives you a chance to, to at least get a uh, what we hope to be a, a win. All right, these are games that are winnable games. Anything can happen, uh, but it gives you a, a chance to to get out and and play well. Hopefully, against an in-state school, which which continues to to boast and, bo- and boost up some of your um, credibility in the state. Now, a lot of people would say we don't need that. We already have more credibility than FAU, or we shouldn't have to beat uh, beat an FAU to make a name of ourselves. But I think the other uh, factors outweigh that. Plus, they have Willie Taggart, the bus drivers, our head coach. Anytime you can beat Willie T, you take that advantage, Mike. Hopefully, it's sixty-five to eleven would be uh, would be fantastic. So all in all, I think it's – while I understand there may be some disappointment, I think it is a – it makes a lot of sense for UCF.
4: If the schedule stands as it looks now, we play FAU and FIU in the same year on the road. That's two trips for me within an hour of my house. Uh, But there is rumors that that FIU game may get canceled or moved, and that may turn into a FCS school. I'm talking about Bethune-Cookman – Florida A&M, something like that. People are really going to lose their minds if that happens. Um, but, uh, you know, these series are fun. People that have a problem with it are basically hypocrites because these are the people, like I said, they want one-for-one deals with Florida, but they don't want to sign in with FAU. I don't see what the problem is. And keeping your kids in Florida, that's a good thing. We ha- we're have, we going to have, what, nine games in the state of Florida next year. I don't see any issues with that. It's short, re- a short drive down from Orlando for the team. Uh, good for the fans locally here. I don't, I don't see any issues with it at all.
2: Well, you also have to understand that uh, Mohaja was pretty upfront and uh, your conversation with him about we're behind in scheduling and we need to get some games. I think it was an exact quote is we need to get some games and how many teams are out there willing to play UCF? How many teams can do it in a short turnaround? How many teams have open dates? How many teams want to have the, the challenge of, of playing UCF and want to do a return game and have that availability you know, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. And if at the end of the day, the you know, what you end up getting is, you know, an FAU down the road with all those other you know, challenges kind of at play, that that's probably a win for us. Right. Um, to, to be able to find an opponent. Again, I get it's not who you might want, but it could be worse than having to settle for playing UTEP or, you know, having to, you know, figure out how you how you get up and play. Uh, you know, I don't know, High Point or, you know, some of these uh, 1AA, FCS type level schools. So you know, at least you get a game at home, I guess. I'd, I'd rather was play uh, FAU than have to do a home-and-home with UTEP, right?
4: Definitely. If I was to draw up a perfect schedule, I would have FAU or FIU, one of the two, every year rotating home and away. I'd have either Florida or Florida State or Miami, or if not two, but at least one of them every year, rotate them home and away. And then you'd have two other out of conference games where you want to travel a little bit and give you, give the fans a place, a historical place to go, maybe a, a Michigan or Ohio State or something like that, and then a home game for for the fans too, an out of conference home game, preferably against yes, maybe an ACC school or a, a Big Twelve school, something like that. That'd be great. Those would be four out of conference games, but you can't have four out of conference games against what. G, p5 teams nobody does that not even the p5 teams do that yeah so you're gonna have one against a 5 why not have it against a team in florida that, where you can have recruits go watch you close to home
2: the other interesting thing with the schedules, like, what do you make of this? Now, you're starting to see some some Danny White slander kind of pop up here and there on the on the social media timelines about you know his two for one stance and uh, how he kind of uh, dug his heels in and, and how that's kind of getting UCF behind the eight ball a little bit from scheduling perspective. What do you make of this Danny White slander? Do you think it's uh, it's warranted? Do you think it's, uh, it's it would be happening if he was still here? or Do you think it's a function of the fact that he's gone and, and we're, we're kind of in this tough spot scheduling wise?
4: Well, it's definitely because he's gone that people are saying this. Because when he was here, everybody was right behind him. I, there was a small percentage of fans that didn't agree with it. Maybe they weren't as vocal. But the majority of fans were buying into exactly what he was saying, that we need, we can't accept two-for-ones from these big schools. And I, we understood the logic behind it. I mean, UCF was playing as a top 25 team in the country for the last couple of years and felt like we deserved to schedule as a top 25 team just because we were in a G5 conference didn't mean that we were equivalent to schools like Marshall and UTEP and things like that. We should be getting more respect. And the P5 schools don't see it that way. They don't see the benefit in coming to Orlando and playing us at home. It's a game that they very well could lose, which would hurt them. And them beating us doesn't do anything for them. Florida beating us, they already play an SEC schedule. Them beating UCF is not going to make a difference. If they win the SEC, they're in the playoff, regardless. They can play four uh, FAMUs and B- Bethune-Cookmans and still get in with the SEC schedule. So they, they have no benefit in playing us. I understand that. So uh, we're going to have to give in on something. And if it means two for ones here and there, we're going to have to do that. Even that, I don't think Florida was willing to do. Not playing that one game in the bounce house. That's where the issue lies.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it. I think it's 100% the fact that that Danny's not here anymore but I do think there was a faction of of the fan base who it's one of those things where you you quietly disagree with with Danny but you don't say it out loud because you you sort of let all the other positives that he he did uh kind of uh, out uh, outnumber, um, you know, that that one element, but now that he's gone, it's easy to kind of say, Hey, wow, this one really got, got messed up. And and admittedly, Mike, there's, there's work that has to be done. And a lot of people, I mean, that's, that's putting a lot of pressure on Mohadja because people are expecting him to really kind of turn this thing around quickly and get us these big games. And, you know, we'll play anybody in a parking lot, right. That was the thing him and Gus were talking about. So, you know, the fans are going to expect him to kind of put his money where his mouth is. So he's got a really interesting uh, task ahead to try to fill out our schedule. Um, and, uh, You know, he hinted at another game, uh, or series of games coming up. He said that the opponent would, uh, uh, them playing us would be good for their recruiting as well. So um, probably indicates somebody who doesn't get down to Florida all that often. Uh, So we'll see what that announcement looks like and how people feel after after that effect. Uh, But uh, overall, you know, again, not breaking news to everybody, but uh, UCF FAU will... uh, uh, we'll take on a series, Mike. So that's our that's our first headline. Let's get to the second one. This one also broke uh, over the weekend, and uh, break maybe not the right word, but uh, this is uh, this is also in the world of football. Something called South Point Las Vegas released its odds for opening weekend of football games, Mike, and they have installed UCF as a ten point favorite at home. With Boise State coming to town, they listed on a Saturday game. Whether or not it will be Saturday, nobody knows, Mike. Uh, but UCF being a 10-point favorite over Boise in the opening game, Mike. 10 points is uh, is too much for UCF to be favored by. Charge on or charge off?
4: I don't know. It kind of took me surpri- by surprise, too. 10 points seems like a lot of points. When you think about it, being at home, the first game under uh, Malzon. The, finally getting a full 100% capacity crowd. The place is going to be rocking like always. Um, it's it's possible. If I had to bet on it, uh, my homer self, I, I probably would just give up the 10 points. But remember, Boise State's also coming in with a new coach, new system. We don't know what to expect out of them. I haven't done as much research about their who's their quarterback coming back and all that stuff. I'd have to look more into it. Vegas knows more than I do. Um, but 10 points – that, that is a lot uh, it'd be interesting to see how that line moves between now and September whether second third or fourth whichever day we end up playing
2: yeah I was surprised with the number two A I mean let's just be up front that number will not be the same when September rolls around right these, these are just opening line numbers I, I don't know how the you know the Vegas guys know specifically what it's going to be so this number will get dialed in as we get closer, but typically, Mike, and you keep me honest on this, the, the rules of betting are that basically you get three points for being at home, right? And essentially, is that, is that is that typically how that works?
4: Yeah, that's when they come up with the lines, they factor that in, yes.
2: So really, if you give us that cushion, that, that we're, we're a touchdown favorite at that point over – Boise at home uh which which then seems a little bit more manageable again I know you can't make the line that way because it is the 10 right but it seems a little bit more manageable to say that we're a touchdown um is is, is 10 too many I I don't almost say it's too many in the sense that we aren't capable of beating Boise uh by that number of points I think it's too many in the sense that I don't think anybody really knows yet um you know Boise is breaking in a new coach and I think it's Andy Avalos is his name obviously we've got Gus Malzahn UCF's been the talk of the offseason, you know, in some respects with all the transfer portal stuff that's gone on. So probably some of that publicity is getting there as well. I do think UCF should be favored in this game. I don't know if it'll end up being 10 points, but a couple of things also to note on that same site, uh, some interesting numbers. UCF is minus four um, at home against Louisville. And they're plus four, so they're getting four at Cincinnati. So those are some interesting other lines. So basically they're saying that um, I guess Louisville's better than Boise. So maybe this is a referendum on Boise as much as it is a positive for UCF. But 10 points is I think we could definitely win by that amount. It wouldn't be surprising if we did. Probably too much on an early line without really knowing what we've got for both teams. You know, whatever it is, some 97 or 96 days away from the season.
4: And they're going to factor in UCF's history at home in the last couple of years. We've beat up some pretty big name schools. Look what we did to Stanford at home. Look what we did to Cincinnati on the College Game Day game. So we have a good reputation as a good home team. That has to factor into it. Plus, when they make these lines, they're trying to make them so that they get even money on both sides. So they figure a lot of the public is probably getting seen a lot of the hype with Malzahn coming in and all the recruits. They're hearing about the Big Cat. Yes, I had to squeeze Big Cat in there yes, somewhere. <laughs> and people are probably going to look at that and say, you know, UCF should probably beat these guys. So we have to make the points at a point where people are going to want to bet on Boise State. And if you see 10 points, that is enough to make you think, hey, I'll, I'll take those 10 with Boise.
2: Well, we'll see. I mean, again, no one really knows. It's it's way too early to, to see that. But obviously, it, you know, is this the Gus Malzon effect a little bit, though, Mike? Is it sort of the energy of Gus and the billboards and the national talk and the interviews he's been doing on national shows and all the, the transfer portal stuff? Do you think this number has any, or is, is a direct derivative of the Gus Malzon effect?
4: Yeah, I think it has a huge impact on it. If we were still a Josh Heifel team, I don't think we're favored by 10. If we were head, if Jeff Levy was our head coach, I don't think we're favored by 10. I think we get, that may be a three-and-a-half-point line, maybe four. And three of those points, is because we're at home, it would be a lot closer line for sure.
2: All right. Well, speaking of the Gus Malzahn effect, Mike, our third headline for those who aren't aware, UCF had another transfer portal commitment over the weekend. Marco Domio, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, uh, previously from Auburn. Uh, he's a previous four star commit, a, uh, a defensive back, cornerback, nickelback type player. Mike, he has uh, he has also now committed to UCF uh, from the transfer portal here. So um, here's your charge on charge off. I'm concerned about all the transfers we're taking charge on or charge off.
4: Charge off. I'm not concerned. I'm happy about the transfers we're taking. We discussed it. I discussed it exactly with Malzahn. I thought maybe it's because it's a first year thing. He didn't have his time to come in and recruit the guys he wanted. But this is just happens to be college football in twenty twenty one. There's going to be transfers coming in every year. We're going to lose some guys too, but it seems like the guys that we're replacing with are better than the guys that are leaving. So that's the, the good thing. A lot of P5 teams or G5 teams are not going to be in that situation. A lot of them are probably going to be losing some of their better players to bigger name schools. We've actually benefited from the big schools. These guys leave and maybe whether it's because they're not getting playing time or they just want to be closer to home. That's another big benefit of ours being in the state of Florida a lot of the kids leave, they go somewhere else, they don't they get a little homesick, they want to come back to Florida. That's where we come into play. But we're beating out big time schools. We beat out Florida for the Jordan Johnson receiver from Notre Dame. And now this guy is a big prospect. He went to Auburn, he was a four star player. Now maybe he didn't get the playing time. Rumors are he got a beat out at his position. And maybe there was some injuries that had to do with it. But here he is. It just shows the relationship that Gus built with these guys. It's a good sign that guys still want to play for Gus. As we've seen, Hypo left to go to Tennessee. I don't see too many guys going over to Tennessee transferring there, so it's a good sign that Malzahn comes here, and all of a sudden, all his guys want to come here, too.
2: Yeah, I don't think we've seen a single UCF guy go to Tennessee, right? That's um, that's interesting. Even with, uh, with frost, you saw a couple of guys training, he'll go to, go to Nebraska. Nobody goes to, to nobody has gone to Tennessee, but I guess it's too early. W- what's interesting about this is, you know, are, should we be concerned about it? I think you charge off on that, right? Because obviously anytime you bring more talent into your program, it's probably going to be a good thing. Um, and what's interesting about this is this kid was in the the portal for, I think three days total before he committed to UCF. Which makes you wonder either one of two things. Either A, you know, he saw or knew what was happening at UCF and was trying to figure out a situation, liked what he saw, either saw the spring game or saw everybody else going to UCF and was like, hey, I need to get down there too and be a part of this. Or B, as soon as he hits the portal, UCF reaches out and they're able to to get him to come to UCF in three days when, to your point, there are other schools after him. Either way, I think this continues to talk about the cachet that we're building. Um, after our last show, we talked about Jordan Johnson, the receiver being a five-star, and somebody on Twitter uh, who has a pretty interesting take at all times um, said, hey, this doesn't count. It's not a direct high school transfer. And you're right. It's certainly not a high, a high school transfer, and, and or not a high school commit. It's more of a transfer, so I definitely get that. But bringing in more talent to your program doesn't hurt. This kid's p- potentially projected you know, to maybe take over that Aaron Robinson-type role, uh, but he's got to earn it on the field, obviously. But you, you got to think about all the talent Gus is brought in from the portal. And, you know, again, the Gus on effect. We're getting kids to say, hey, let me think about UCF. They're building something down there. And more and more kids are buying in. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what it does to, to, you know, team chemistry and the dynamics. I think that's probably the only thing you got to keep an eye on. Um, is it going to be, you know, old guys versus new guys? But, um, you know, hopefully Gus is a savvy enough coach, a veteran enough coach, and uh, we'll put the right players on the field. And this will, this will bring out competition everywhere. So talent's probably not a bad thing to have.
4: All right, competition is key, and we definitely need it on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about the depth chart a couple weeks ago. We feel a lot better about the defensive line coming into the season now with the transfers, and here we are in a defensive back. That's one of the positions, along with linebackers, that we weren't so sure of. And if this guy can come in and be an impact player, then even better. And the more competition we have back there, then the better it is. And I think the players will be fine as long as they see the best players are on the field. If they see that Gus is playing favorites with his guys, that could be an issue. But if the, if his guys happen to be the best players and we're winning ball games, I don't think there's going to be an issue at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, something to monitor, right? And and obviously, we don't yet know how these scholarships are, are coming available. Is he dipping into next year's numbers? Uh, so we'll see. This kid, I guess, would have all four years of eligibility left. Mikey, he, uh, he you know has the the free COVID year um, signed in 2019, played last year, so if he counted as his COVID year. I guess you'd have all four years of eligibility. If, uh, most of these guys are in that same boat. Uh, just a handful have that one uh, that one year left. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But another uh, uh, another guy. We also got a kicker, I think, a kicker punter out of the portable, uh, portal as well. I think he's coming as a walk-on, though. So um, uh, more people continuing to, uh, to flock to the UCF football program, Mike. All right, last one for headlines. Uh, the uh, Unfortunately, the softball season came to an end uh, unceremoniously when UCF uh, was not able to advance out of the Tallahassee, Tallahassee Regional. Uh, but good news in uh, the baseball side on Tuesday, uh, the Knights uh, slugged their way through some, some period of time, put up a nine spot, end up winning 14-10 in their opening game, Mike. So here's your charge on, charge off. Unfortunately, the softball program um, has an end uh, that's disappointing. But the baseball program will redeem itself, and they will win the American Conference Tournament in the honor of the softball team. Charge on, charge off, baseball winning the AAC Tourney.
4: Well, looking at the box score from the softball game on Sunday, championship game, UCF zero runs on one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what the heck happened to softball over the weekend? I think we scored two runs in three games. Am I right? Yes. Um, That's uh, a pretty disappointing finish to what was a good season. And now we're seeing the opposite here with the baseball team, a disappointing regular season. But here we go, 9 o'clock this morning, UCF baseball. It looks like they were about to go straight into the loser's bracket, maybe two in barbecue here, and they put up a nine-run eighth-inning battle back, beat Cincinnati, and now we're in a very good spot because in the second game of the tournament, number one seed East Carolina goes down, goes down hard to Memphis. They get run-ruled in seven innings, 11-1, to setting up a game on Thursday afternoon, UCF Memphis. And that's a team that we took three out of four against just recently. A couple weeks ago, we beat them up pretty good. But remember, the one game we lost, they run-ruled us in the first game of a doubleheader on a Friday so as long as we can avoid that ugly game like that, I think we have a very nice matchup here against Memphis. A key winning today. If we can win that game, we're in a very good position because then we can rest the team, get the pitchers some rest. They won't play again until Saturday, Saturday. Yep. if they win that game. So that, That's huge. Now, if you lose that game, then you're on the brink of elimination. You would play the winner of Cincinnati and East Carolina. Let's say it's East Carolina. Then you're a one game for your season against the top team in the conference coming off the very next day where your pitchers are maybe a little taxed. That's a bad situation for us. Thursday, 3 o'clock, must-win game for UCF if we want to get somewhere in this tournament.
2: Yeah, so to your point, they would be off Friday, then they'd play Saturday, and essentially they'd have to lose twice on Saturday to not advance to the winner-take-all game, which is the championship game on Sunday. So certainly things are setting up that way, Mike. So are you charging on that UCF baseball will – Uh, We'll sort of uh, redeem the uh, the softball loss here and win the conference. Is that a charge on?
4: I will charge on. I think we're going to beat Memphis on Thursday, setting us up for Saturday where we have to lose twice. Maybe it's going to be, we may see East Carolina, but even if it's East Carolina, that means they would have to have won on Thursday, Friday, and then come back and beat us twice on Saturday. Their pitching staff may be depleted by then. I think we have a very good shot, but we have to win this Thursday game. If we lose Thursday, I think we're out of there on Friday.
2: <laughs> yeah, if
4: we win this Thursday game against Memphis, which is a very winnable game. I like our chances to get to the con- to get to the championship game on Sunday.
2: Yeah, this is a head heart situation for me. Right, the the head my head says UCF hasn't been consistent all year. Why are they going to figure this out now? But my heart says something we talked about on the live show with Harry Hikari. It's kind of at this point for UCF. You know there 's really nothing to lose right? You might as well go out there and just and just play ball, let it rip. Uh, they obviously got off to a slow start. You wonder if the nine a m start time had anything to do with that, but go out there play ball, um and you never know what 's going to happen at this point so uh, my my head says it seems illogical, but my heart says, you know what stranger things have happened. If we just get through this next one to your point, you know you put yourself really close to getting in into the driver's seat you're maybe not in the driver's seat you're in the front seat of the car, maybe you 're on the um you know, maybe the, the, the elbow rest, you're not quite there yet. But going into Saturday, needing to be beaten twice. Uh, and then if you don't do that, you're one game for your season. And if we, we had told you this a couple of weeks ago when, when the baseball team was kind of floundering that we'd have one game for a championship, um, I think we all would have signed up for it. So, um, But we don't want to put carts before horses here. I, I'm, I'll go charge on because I don't want to be the negative guy, but I really mean charge off.
4: If it comes down to a one-game situation, we get to Sunday – Anything can happen It is baseball. I've told you many times throughout this season, I think it was 2010 Fresno state losing record, a losing baseball team went on to win the college world series. I'm not getting that far. I'm not saying we're going to go all the way, but we can get through this tournament. Thursday is the key. We win Thursday. We're right there. And you never know who we're going to play in that. On the other side of that bracket may end up playing the cows. How interesting would that be on a Sunday afternoon? UCF versus the cows, for all the marbles to advance to the regional in the college baseball tournament.
2: the way, my quick tip of the cap to the softball team and a, a great year, a lot of fun. Uh, Leo white was, uh, was just, was dynamite. Uh, you know, this is obviously a, a, a bittersweet result for UCF, but uh, overall a good year. You got to feel good about the team they have coming back to uh, Eric Lopez provided a good breakdown of that on Twitter and on his optimism on that. But uh, tip of the cap to the softball team because uh, they definitely kept things interesting, kept things fun down the stretch here. Uh, the, football's, uh, the football team obviously was getting some headlines, but basketball not playing as well. Uh, it was really the women's sports that carried us for a long time there, and softball was probably the, the top one. So uh, tip of the cap to the, uh, to the softball team for, uh, for their 2020 season.
4: Very good season. It's been a, the best season we've had in probably about five years, the last time we made a, a regional tournament. We had some very big wins. We beat the Gators a couple of times. Uh, we beat the number two team in the country was Arizona back at home.
1: Yeah, it's a very days. good
4: season. Leah White with a fantastic career. It just her whole story, if you haven't seen the Sammy Kincaid thing that she did on her earlier this season, you got to watch that, and if you watch it, I don't know how you watch it without tearing up a little bit. Uh, just a great story, great person. Um, and it was fun. The, the softball season was a fun season. I started getting into it there towards the end. And we had a shot. We were right there. It's not like we got blown out in these games against Florida State. We just couldn't score. We kept them right there with us. We lost what two nothing on the final game. So uh, good good for the softball team, but now let's build on this, right? Uh, let's keep this thing going, keep the train going. The, the program is moving in the right direction. Let's keep this thing going next year. We gotta win a regional. That's the next goal. Same thing with baseball. We gotta break past this ceiling of the regionals. We've never done it. Let's get it done for once. And then from there, things snowball. Hopefully by the time my girls are ready to play softball, they're at UCF and and they're a top 10 program and going to the College World Series.
2: Amen to that, my friend. Well, coming up next, we'll have a little fun here. We have a big three, a little bit of a twist in the way we're going to do the big three this week. Uh, So don't go anywhere. Listen to this fantastic commercial, some fantastic music. And then Mike and I will be right back. Sons of UCF,
0: we will return. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
3: This is UCF head football coach Gus Malzahn. And you're listening to the Future of UCF Podcasting with Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Boom.
2: All right, Mike, we're back with the big three. And uh, like I said off the top of the show, there's not a lot of planning that goes on sometimes. Mike and I wing a lot of this, and maybe that's what makes the show great is that we're just kind of having a conversation versus planning stuff, Mike. But uh, we had a, a, a listener suggestion that uh, seemed like a really good idea, and we're going to implement it for this week's big three and maybe future big threes as well. Mike, uh, clue everybody in on uh, on who this was and the suggestion that we got
4: one of our good friends the guy that's been listening to the show since the very beginning Brandon Shannon who has received the Suns to UCF hat for his listening abilities uh, he sent in he said you know since you guys always have the same uh, three or two out of the same three and we discuss the same thing in order to avoid that why don't you do it like a draft and you pick one and Adam picks one and you pick and we can do it that way this way you get six guys in the, in the big three and you know, more things to discuss and We're going to try it out here. So I think we're going to do a draft style where one of us will pick first, the next guy will pick two, and we'll snake draft it, right? And then we'll come up with three of our own. This way we'll have three separate answers.
2: So big thanks to Brandon for the suggestion. Seems like a really good idea, Mike. And so the theme this week, something going around on social media on Monday or Tuesday was a lot of people are uh, making lists of their favorite players. And that got a lot of publicity because, you know, when you went to UCF and blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, no better time to get content and controversy than coming up with your, your power rankings of, of lists. So with, uh, with us having uh, Mike Sims Walker re-air interview this week, one of the bigger names at UCF history, uh, we thought what we would do this week is the big three guests that we have had on the Sons of UCF show. Now, a couple things. One, I can post this to our, our website, uh, two nights So you can see who we've had on. So you can kind of go through yourself and maybe come up with your own big three. So these are only guests that we have had on the show. So big three guests on the show. Uh, we've been doing this now for almost three years. We're on episode 134. Uh, So we've had a handful of guests over the years, and uh, we are going to do the draft style, Mike. So since it was your idea and you brought this to us, I'm going to give you the first pick uh, of this draft. You're going to pick, obviously, your, your top player, your top seed, your top coach, whatever you want to call it. I will pick the next two until we get to our overall three. So you, my friend, are on the clock. You have the honors. Your first pick in the Sons of UCF top guest list big three is who?
4: All right. Before we start, I just want to go over a rule with you and okay. see where you want to go with this. Do we want to say the biggest? Are we going to top three biggest names to ever be on the show? Are we doing the biggest guests as they relate to UCF history, or are we doing the three best interviews that we think like the guys that were the best guests on the show? How do you
2: want to do it? I say you do. Th- we do three. Our three favorite. And that could be because somebody had a big name and you were, you're excited to talk to him. Could be because the interview was fantastic. Could be the stories they told, you know, could be the ratings they got our, our, our big three favorite interviews, favorite guests of all time.
4: All right. No matter which way you would have answered that, I got my number one. (laughs) It's clear, (laughs) clear number one seed for me. I never would have thought it happened. I never would have thought this guy even knew what a podcast was. Not only did we do it once, we did it twice. George O'Leary, head football coach, the white horse himself, joined us on episode number 31 and episode number 98. We had about 45 minutes both times with him. completely different interviews, covered all kinds of different topics with the guy. I, I think he likes us. I'm not sure. He must not hate us because he answered the phone the second <laughs> time we called.
2: There's that. He must not hate us.
4: <laughs> and he came back on with us. seemed like he enjoyed his time with us. Uh, I was in shock the first time you told me we had George O'Leary coming on the show. Couldn't believe it. I was so excited to do it. The second time, you had me call him, and I was in shock that he wanted to do it again. I I don't know if he – I can't say we tricked him because I was completely honest with him. But did he think that we were actually, like, working for UCF? That's why he agreed to it. I don't know how it ever (laughs) happened, how we got him on. But we did it two times, my number one pick. For the guest we've had on White Horse, George O'Leary. It's
2: a good selection. I figured you would go that route if you had number one. I wasn't positive. That's what makes this draft board even harder for me. So I assumed you were going there. So uh, you can't argue that George is obviously polarizing. He's uh, you know he's done some things in his career that have certainly rubbed folks the wrong way. Some pretty serious things in his career that we you know we we certainly didn't uh, ask him about uh, in our conversations. But I think we all recognize what those are. We've had a lot of players say that it was a rough to play for him, that we've, we've legendarily got some stories about playing for him. We've also had a ton of players just talk about the respect they had for him and kind of what he taught them. And you de- debate whether or not you, you think he is whatever you think he is, but UCF football is not where it's at without George O'Leary. And to have him on not once – uh, but twice, uh, and particularly when we um, when we embarked on sort of the, the second uh, version of this show, if you will, the 2.0 um, remake of this show. And he was one of the very first guests that we had back on. Uh, so to help us kind of reintroduce ourselves and kind of restake our claim and put our flag in the ground kind of as a solo outfit to have him back on early on and be willing to do that was awesome. And so uh, I think it's a really well-deserved uh, nomination for you as your number one seed.
4: Thank you. And then maybe one day over the summer here, we'll replay both of them. The the, uh, Episode number 98 is still available for you guys to go back and listen to, but episode 31 is kind of one of those lost ones. Maybe some new listeners haven't heard that one. That's kind of what I think put us on the map as a podcast back over 100 episodes ago.
2: All right, well, then I've got my first round pick, uh, the second overall pick, Mike. Uh, and a lot of – listen, uh, this list is, is just – there's a lot of names on here. You think back to all these conversations I try to figure out. Um, I feel like we had a stretch there where every at the end of every convo, we are like, man, that was great. Man, that guy was great. Oh, that was awesome. That was a great story. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, Mike. My number one pick is the guest who appeared with us on episode number 81, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Maury Povich is my number one pick. And you're going to say to yourself, what the hell are you doing, Adam? This is like someone putting Brandon Wimbush as their top five quarterback. I get it. But here's the thing. Nobody thought – here's a few things. Hey, I never thought we'd get Maury Povich, right? I figured this guy's a media star. There's no way he's coming on a UCF podcast, right? I knew he knew what a podcast was, but I assumed he had much bigger, more important things to do from his media perspective, right? So I thought that would never happen, right? Uh, So just reaching out and him responding back and getting in in contact was, was a miracle of itself. B, it's a, it was the answer to a long-running question that everybody had, um, and, and this is probably one of the only things we've done on the show where we legit got the answer that nobody else knew. Literally, nobody, everyone speculated, everyone thought, and a lot of times somebody has inside info on why a player got cut and why somebody transferred and what really happened on that play and you know how the team reacted when Scott Frost left. There are people who know the answer. There were very few people in the UCF sphere who knew how the hell Mori Povich became our game day guest picker and we always joked about we should just have him on and ask him one day wouldn't that be great and I never in a million years thought he would do it I know it has very little to do with UCF directly but in the history of UCF and the lore of UCF and if you're a fan and that game day uh, experience is probably forever etched in your memory the one, uh, the one sort of face making moment was Mori Povich and, uh, and we got the inside scoop for at least an hour by the way Mike he was on for a solid hour with us on how that all went down so my number one pick the second overall pick in the big three is Mr. Moripovich.
4: if you look at the list of guests we've had on I mean you talk about fame he is by far I think the most famous person we've had on this show worldwide fame Mori has been on your tv for 20 plus years and you can say you never watched Moripovich, but you're lying at some point in your life you have watched, sat down and watched Mori Povich on your TV. That is a huge name. A big-time celebrity for a long time. He came on our podcast and, like you said, talked to us for an hour. and Talked about all kinds of stuff. Going back to his dad as a sports writer and you know, how he got picked to be on the college game day as UCF representative. And, by the way, it's because they sent him a, a, a private plane. It's basically <laughs> the reason. But Fun guy, man. He gave us some good sound clips, to, told us that we are the father. I I loved having Mori on, and when I told some of my friends and family members that, hey, we're having Mori Povich on our show, they, they kind of looked at me funny, like, really? You're having Mori? <laughs> what is it, A, what does he have to do with UCF? And B, how the hell did you guys get Mori Povich to go on your show? I don't know. I, I still don't know the answer. to that. That was all your work there, and you pulled it off, and what a time it was, man. I loved talking to Maury.
2: It, it allowed me that one of the singular most interesting moments of my life where we uh, we had a time, Maury was going to call into us and uh, uh, and we had a time set up and I was in my kitchen and I was getting ready. And I was getting a glass of water or something and I turned to my wife and my kids and I said, guys, I got to go. Maury Povich is going to be calling me soon. And that's a statement I never thought I'd utter in my life. So <laughs> Maury Povich is my number one. By virtue of the way this draft works, I'm like, I also get the uh, the next pick. So my second pick in our our, our favorite uh, Sons of UCF interviews of all time. So, uh, so the third overall pick, my second pick, Mike, uh, and a lot of great options here. This is going to get tougher as it goes, but I'm going to go with a recent conversation we had. Episode number 120, Mr. Trey Nixon, is my number two pick overall. Uh, first off, coming off of the season that we had, and it was a COVID year, and there's a lot of things that were going on with Hypol. He joined us right after the Hypol news, and so we got a chance to talk to him a little bit about what's going on there and his thoughts with UCF. Uh, he talked a little bit about his career, how he got to UCF, uh, and, and you know he was very honest and candid about some things, dealing with COVID, what that was like, uh, and he was just a great interview. gave a lot of great answers. Was just an overall good kid. Had fun. Uh, was willing to kind of laugh and joke around with us and it's no coincidence I don't think Mike that th- that episode resonated because I still think that's one of our most uh, our highest uh, rate, rated shows ever a record-breaking show early on uh, even with names like George O'Leary and Maury Povich Trey Nixon was was setting records in terms of people who listened and downloaded so uh, I think the impact it had and the, the the way people consume that episode his commentary and just how nice a guy he was uh, make uh, make this an easy choice for me. Trey Nixon is my number two favorite interview of all time.
4: That's why when I asked you how we were going to do this before, is how do you want to divide yourself, whether you go by fame or who you really enjoyed talking to? I don't know if I enjoyed talking to anybody else more than Trey Nixon. Trey was right at the top. Well, apparently you did.
2: Apparently you did because you picked George <laughs> Hillary first. So just FYI.
4: Well, I mean. I had a factor in that he was on twice. (laughs) Okay. Okay. His stature in UCF history is why I went with that pick. But Trey Nixon was a fantastic interview. I I was a fan of his before, obviously, because he played for us. I'm an even bigger fan of his now after talking to him. And I'm telling you, I got to root for the guy now. He's with the Patriots. And I I can't wait to watch him play. I I think Belichick's going to turn him into a star. He's taken late-round picks and done it before. I think Trey is going to be his guy. He's going to love him. He's a hard worker. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I stole him off your draft board, but happy to have him on Team Adam. Uh, So I guess you get to try to one up me Now, you get the next two picks, so you get to to sort of round out uh, your squad here. Where are you going to go?
4: All right. I'm going to go back to some star power here. People that, if you are a sports fan, You know the name. It's been synonymous with radio and sports for a very long time. Episode number 91, Mike Golick of ESPN fame, NFL fame. The guy is a big name in sports industry. And there's another one where you told me, out of nowhere, we're getting Mike Golick on the show. We did a special show. Usually we do these once a week on Mondays or Tuesdays we release them. This was a Thursday night special. We couldn't wait to get this one out. We did a uh, one-time thing where we called it uh, "Partly Sunny." We just t- just to get a show out because we weren't even doing the live shows at the time. but We said we can't sit on this uh, this interview for two, three days, or four days, whatever it would have been. We got to get this out now. And Mike Golick joined us, and he delivered. He delivered. He was broadcasting our game against East Carolina that week, so it was a reason for him to do it. We talked about East Carolina that week, that game. We talked about. Remember, this was before UCF went on to lose four games this year, but we were still getting a lot of hype. And we just we talked about UCF and getting into the college football playoff, what would it take, all that stuff. A very good discussion with a guy that knows what he's talking about, a professional, the guy that's done it longer than probably a lot of our listeners have even been alive. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was another thrill for me, getting Michael. Because that's a guy I listen to in the morning myself, driving to work for a long time. And you're telling me now he's going to come on and talk to me about sports. He's calling me. I'm not calling into his show. He's calling into my show. How awesome was that?
2: Uh, I like how you phrase that as if there was ever a time that you might call into his show, which is which is <laughs> fantastic. No, it was good to have Golik on. It was one of those kind of moment in time situations. He happened to be calling the game that week. He wasn't even supposed to call the game. He got switched at the last minute because there was a a COVID breakout. I think they canceled the, the Notre Dame game that he was supposed to call. So he was a, he was a late uh uh, change over for the uh, the announcing schedule. Um, I've been lucky enough to find a, a pretty decent contact at ESPN that we were able to reach out to pretty quickly and get it get it wrapped up. And listen, it could have been a nicer guy. Mike gave us a lot of time. Uh, you know, uh, you know, didn't didn't big time us. Uh, gave us some some good answers. Had some fun with us. He did not shout our name out on the broadcast, which I was hoping he would do. But I'm willing to let that one slide. Uh, but it was it was good to be able to bring some names that people have. Uh, here's how I gauge some of our guests sometimes, right? Like, you know, I got friends at work who don't know about UCF. And when I'm like, hey, great news, I'm having Brendan Hayes on. They're like, who's that? Uh, but Golik was a name that I could go to my friends at work and be like, hey, I'm having Mike Golik on. I was like, oh, wow, how'd you get Mike Golik on the show? You know, same thing with, uh, with Maury Povich. Same thing with like George O'Leary. The names that I can tell like your casual sports person and they know who that is. Um, I think those are the ones that resonate the most. And Golik certainly falls in that camp.
4: That's right. I've had family members and friends that listened, I think, to only one show. And I think it was the Golik show because <laughs> I told them Mike Golik is going to be on the show. And they go, really? And then they listened to it. And they go, you know what? You guys do a pretty good job on that show. And I don't think they've ever listened again. Nah, not. <laughs> but it, it was very cool. Very cool experience. And now I have to come down to my last pick, and I have a conundrum here. I don't know what to do. I have a list of a few people that I want to put on, and it's hard to decide who number three is is. it is it definitely is oh man there are so many names but you know what i'm gonna go with a ucf legend one of the original original football players to put us on the map and he was a great interview himself had some really cool stories very fun personality episode number 85 wide receiver oh no Sean jefferson yeah Sean Jefferson was awesome when we talked to him. If you haven't heard that one, you got to go back and listen to it. His recruiting story, how he ended up at UCF was fantastic. And just his whole, the, the whole time we spent with him, he was great. He was great. And he's a big name too. This is a guy I grew up watching play when he was with the Patriots when I was a kid. And when we spoke to him, he was coaching with the Jets. He He's moved on now. His son is in the NFL. Um uh, just one of the all-time greats at UCF. You have a hard time making a list of top players without including Sean Jefferson.
2: Yeah. uh, yeah, He's on my list of, uh, he's on my board, Mike. You mentioned one thing though, that, uh, people should go back and listen to that. They actually can't go back and listen to that one. That predates the new feed. So that certainly could be one that we uh, we may re-release at some point here because Mike is correct. It's a fantastic interview. And another guy that, you know, he's had an NFL career. He was an NFL coach. I didn't think we'd have a really uh, easy chance to get him on the show because – Typically, guys in the league, there's some red tape and PR people and all that, all that good stuff. Uh, but he was more than willing to come on, and he spent a lot of time with us. Told some great stories. Uh, I think he retweeted us afterwards and, and said some nice things. Uh, so it was it was cool to have him on, uh, and uh, and that's definitely one that I think will be on our list of ones that we'll try to get replayed for you guys here the next couple of weeks or months.
4: Yeah, that definitely got to be up there during the summer. Uh, just a fantastic guy, great interview. I want to hear it again. I haven't been able to hear it since, <laughs> since we switched over. So I know, I know a guy. I dev- yeah, I know a guy. Yeah, send that to me when you get a chance. I
2: know a guy. All right. Well, this, 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 my big board is is uh, is definitely crowded here, and there's only one spot left. Sean Jefferson was on that, so. I've had to scratch him off, Mike. I went back and forth because there's so many options here, right? It really depends on how you phrase, uh, you know, favorite. I think one thing that we, I did not include, and it's one of those kind of anomalies, is maybe one of those kids who hasn't quite had three years of eligibility, so you can't draft him yet. We did do a live show with Kruzek and Schneider and Borlegi and Hinshaw. I did not include that as an option, even though we put it out as an audio show, but that was really cool. I think that would have been one I would have picked if it was an audio-only sort of traditional pod episode. We had Michelle Akers, who is largely considered one of the top female soccer players of all time. We had her on the show for a solid hour. UCF Hall of Famer really put UCF soccer on the map and and was really one of the early, early, early folks uh, to make a name for herself coming out of UCF for UCF Sports. So that was that was an option. Jeff Godfrey, you never forget your first. He told some great George O'Leary stories. It was after that interview that you and I looked at each other and was like, hey, we may have something here with these interview things. Uh, And that that bode well. Uh, A couple shows later, we had Justin Holman on and Justin Holman is the one who broke the white horse stuff to us, which really kind of got our interest in George O'Leary and and helped us kind of make a name. Every player we've talked to since we get a little bit of credibility when we tell them we know about the white horse and we have Justin Holman to thank for that. So that is another option as well. All this is a long way of me trying to talk my way into who I'm actually going to pick. And I am going to go way off the board here, Mike. Um, And this is more of a personal favorite in in the third spot. Um, You probably don't remember. Maybe you do because you have it in front of you. Who joined us on episode number 33. But it was UCF running back Taj McGowan was our episode uh, 33 guest. And Mike, he's my selection at number three for one very specific situation. We asked him about his famous touchdown run at Memphis. And the excitement and the, the energy with which he told that story. Like as he was telling it, like I was getting goosebumps. He walked through the call in the huddle. You know, how Tristan was supposed to get the ball. You know, there was two plays. There was Belly or Truck. And when he finds out they're actually running his play, he was like, let's go then, right? His voice gets really high and excited. Uh, he literally takes us almost through step-by-step step of that play. And it's one of those most iconic plays at UCF. I know it didn't win our iconic plays bracket, but it's one of those plays that you don't forget. And to me, that was cool because we're fans and we love watching our team. And, you know, you root for your guys. But on that day, when we heard that conversation, you heard how excited he was. and you forget that these are human beings who are living out some of the best moments of their life. And the way he told the story makes me realize that th- that's a moment he'll never forget. And it's something that he'll cherish forever. And he told it that way. Uh, so I'm going to go maybe a little off the board, maybe nowhere you'd expect, but Taj McGowan is uh, is my choice for my third of the big three favorite sons of UCF podcast guest.
4: Yeah. Another one I haven't heard now in a long time. And I want to hear that one again too. But I remember how excited he was when he was talking about that play. What a moment for him. What a moment for us. And the season was on the line. That was it. (laughs) We're down 16 points at Memphis. Uh, It's fourth and one from our own side of the field, and he doesn't just get the first down. He changes the whole game and changes the whole season. Takes it all the way for a touchdown. An iconic play in UCF history. Very good interview. Uh, That's a solid pick. That's why I had to see how you wanted to do this list. I think we kind of Maybe went two different ways on how to do them. Yeah. But you, you can't go wrong with either one. And I had a bunch of other guys too, yeah. man. <laughs> you, you mentioned a few of them. Um, Bo Clark is a huge name in UCF history. We had him on very early, one of the first guests, Hall of Famer, good guy. And um, just, you mentioned Godfrey and Holman. Those guys were cool. I really loved talking to Dexter Lyons. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yeah, did Got along great. Me and him were texting back and forth after that show for months. <laughs> uh, he was like one of my best friends next to the um, Joe Burnett one was good. I didn't count the, the charge on tour stuff. So those are interviews I did by myself. You weren't there. So I didn't even consider Malzahn or Mohajer, or those guys, or even Danny White and Hypo, those things. I didn't, think, I didn't put that into the list here. Another one of my favorites that was recently was Brandon Alexander. Mm. And that guy – was fantastic. His memory of every single play that he's played in just shocked me. I couldn't believe he even remembered everything in his career, even going back down to the practices. So that was really cool. Um, but what a list, man. We've done how many of these? 134 episodes, and now we've had how many guests? <sighs> like well, boy, well, 70 guests, something well, like
2: that. Let me sort my spreadsheet here. Again, we've had some people on multiple episodes. Uh, we're probably uh, close to uh, 78, I think, at this point.
4: it's crazy. And all different types of guests. I mean, we're talking about baseball players, basketball players, coaches, athletic directors. We had the president of the school, Dale Whitaker, on.
2: Uh, <laughs> we had that, yeah, that may be our best run. Like We had a run there early on. Again, none of these are available to you guys, so I apologize. We had a run early on where we just had some names, right? We went from... Uh, starting at episode 76, Justin Pope, UCF Hall of Famer. 77 was D Brown, football basketball player. 78, Matt Williams, uh, record breaker. 79, Eric Kohler, who just left the, uh, the booth at that point. Maury Povich, Keith Tribble, a, a, a you know, besieged figure at UCF. Then we went Latavius Murray, Troy Walters, Dale Whitaker, and then Sean Jefferson. So that was, you know, what, what 10, 12 shows back-to-back there. We, we, that, was, that may be one of our most impressive stretches of all time, of have
4: yeah, that's every week. That's without taking a week off. I don't know how we were booking those
2: guys.
1: <laughs> you know, how you were doing.
4: Well, yeah, we got on you a hot fire. streak. Yeah,
2: yeah, we got on a hot streak. A couple other names. Again, I hate leaving these things out, man, because there's so many. Chris Martin just recently was fantastic. Um, if you want raw honesty, the audio wasn't fantastic, but Jake Brown was just raw and honest with his assessment of different things. Um, I really liked the conversation we had with Hayden Kingston. It netted me a green shacket out of the deal. Uh, he, he told some really good stories. I thought he was, he was a lot of fun to, uh, to talk to. So I really enjoyed, um, talking to Hayden Kingston as well. Um, and, and again, there's just, there's just too many to name, but either way, um, some of these we're going to get back out to you guys. Um, but these are our lists. So if you want to rank them yourself, let us know whose list you like better. If you've heard some of these episodes and, you know, you've been a longtime fan, we definitely want to hear your feedback. Mike's list, again, was George O'Leary, essentially times two, Mike Golick, and then Sean Jefferson. I have Maury Povich, Trey Nixon, and Taj McGowan. Let us know if you've heard all these or if you, you know a little bit about them, which list that you might favor. Again, find us on Twitter and, uh, and tell us what you think. But coming up next, a guy who didn't make this list, probably in an upset because He's got a one of the biggest names in UCF history. That is Mike Sims Walker. We're going to replay our conversation with him right after the break. Don't go anywhere.
0: Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was
4: a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajri, And in my spare time, when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on.
2: All right, so we're pleased to welcome in our next guest. He was a star receiver and defensive back um, for UCF, uh also played uh, played many years in the NFL as well. He's one of the, I guess, one of the first uh, big name receivers we had to come out of UCF, which has uh, lately been wide receiver U. But one of these uh, one of these guys started it all, and that's Mike Sims Walker, and uh, and we welcome him to the show, Mike. Thanks for joining us here on the Sons of UCF podcast.
3: I uh, appreciate you having me, man.
2: Anytime, man. Well, let's let's start at the beginning for you, so. I know you originally committed to Ole Miss out of high school, but then a few days later you decommitted and ultimately end up choosing UCF. So, what led to both of those decisions? I guess, and and how enticing was the offense that Croce, uh, Coach Kruzak was running back then? Uh, how enticing was that for you in making that choice?
3: Um, it was awesome actually. I committed to Ole Miss uh, to play with Eli Manning. Coach Cutcliffe was there and Eli Manning, but he was only he only had one more year left. It was unrealistic, and then the next couple of days, I didn't feel right. My dad didn't feel right, so, you know, we decommitted, and then after we decommitted, a couple of schools had them fell off, and UCF was still there, and then I, I know Doug, Doug Gabriel, and Jimmy Fitzgerald was leaving, so, you know, I know that opened up the depth chart for me, and, you know, I stayed home, and it just made sense. You know, it made more sense to, you know, stay home and represent my, my where I'm from and, you know, be able to play in front of my family.
2: Who was a uh, who was your primary recruiter from UCF back then?
3: It was Coach Scott Stoughton. I think he's at the University of Georgia right now. I think he was, he was at that time. He was the tight end coach of UCF. He was a great dude. I still talk to him to this day.
2: That's awesome. Well, so you, uh, so your freshman year, you saw you saw ten games that year. Um, you had uh, you had a hundred yard receiving game early against FAU, uh, but kind of a down year for the team. Only won three games. Um, Coach Kruzek ultimately left before the season was out. So being a true freshman, how tough was that was that first season for you?
3: Um, it was it wasn't that bad. You know, we had a lot of good leadership. I mean, we had a lot of good older guys. The locker room was awesome. I mean, that's great for any kind of freshman that comes in and plays right away, especially. You got those little guys in the ear and showing you how to, you know, how to showing you the ropes and how everything goes. So I mean for me it wasn't that bad. I just I just wanted to play. You know, and that was one of the reasons I committed there because I didn't want to sit out and register a year or two and be behind, be down in the depth chart. So, I mean, I wanted to play and I got a chance to play. I mean, I got my feet wet.
1: I wasn't as much as I would like, but, you know, I got to play and that was the main thing for me my freshman year. Hey, Mike, in 2004, Coach O'Leary comes in. And what were your first impressions of that guy? Because that was something completely different from what you signed up for, right? Uh, no question. Uh, I can't, I can't lie. It was like the worst thing ever could have happened to
3: me when he first got there. Um, it was hell on campus. Um, it was just, it was tough. Um, it was night and day from what I was, what I, what I was introduced to as a freshman and then a get there. And it's, um, man, it's literally the total opposite. It was tough, but it was very well, very well much needed. Um, we needed it. Um, we needed just a whole, life change and it worked as you can see i mean we were
1: tough we were you know we worked hard we, we were disciplined um and that's everything he instilled in us yeah well in 2004 it got a little interesting because he put you over at dB so what was that transition like were you shocked when something like that came up um not really shocked i mean actually i was i mean
3: i was highly recruited more at dB than receiver coming out of high school so i mean it was kind of natural for me um, and he knew that. I guess he did his research and he got there and um, he brought me into his office. And, you know, he said, I know you was a big time recruit coming out of high school at corner. Oh, um, we had a lot of I guess we had a lot of injuries in the secondary. And he told me he need me on the field. One of the best athletes. So that was kind of an honor for him to say that. I mean, I was Paul. I mean, I couldn't believe he even said he he told me I was one of the best athletes on the team and he need me on the field. So I mean, it was an honor for me to hear that. So whatever you need me to do, coach, I'm gonna do it. Whatever. No matter where you put me, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my best. And he said I can start you at corner, or you can, you know, rotate in at receiver and play sporadically here. So it was a no brainer for me. I mean, I was comfortable already at corner because I played it most of my life, anyways. And so I mean,
1: it was it fell right in place. And he told me I could play a lot more on defense. It was a no brainer. So being a receiver, also when you're playing defensive back, is that are you knowing these guys' routes before they even make their cuts? Like, um, is it easier for you? It, it definitely helps. I mean, especially playing receiver, it definitely helps you. It makes you way
3: better as a DB. I mean, you can tell a little bit more about splits. And, and then, of course, you watch film, though. That's the big thing. I mean, you watch film and you get a knock on what they like to do. And and then you look at the receiver splits. and I mean, you get a, get a, better, a better feel for, you know, everything else. So preparation is big more than anything when it comes to game time.
2: So, Mike, a lot of the former players we've talked to, obviously, you know, Coach O'Leary was not afraid of confrontation, right? And so a lot of the former players we've talked to have all been able to kind of tell us about one moment where they had a a sort of a confrontation with Coach O'Leary and kind of what that moment was like. Did you you ever have a moment where, where Coach said something to you or you guys kind of got in a little bit of a confrontation that kind of comes to mind for you?
3: Oh man, there's many of them. Really. Coach don't spare. Coach don't spare nobody. There's no star on the team, and none of that. So I know you think Kevin Smith was the golden boy, but if it came down to it, he'll get called out too. So I mean, it was it was I mean, it was almost every day. It was comical every day. So I, it ain't just one. It's just, it's just, it happened so much. It just we just got used to it.
2: So Mike, Mike mentioned that '04 season. So you had a couple of big plays in that '04 season. Um, you had a 70-yard TD against Ohio, which again was you know we should have won as, as well. Um, we had some serious young talent on that team, though. You talked about with with you, Brandon, um, Stephen Moffat was at quarterback. He was kind of coming into his own. Um, and even though it was a, it was a tough year in 0-4 and, and we went winless, um, did you feel like, or did the team feel like that you were building something special, or that you guys had something that that you knew you could build on going into future years?
3: Um, actually we did, man. We had, we know we were young. You know, we had a young, we, O'Leary played a lot of young guys that year. And, uh, we knew we just, we were just building, you know, it was growing pains. And we understood that. And I think O'Leary did a great job of letting us understand that. Like, we were working hard. Like we were, we weren't, the, our record didn't indicate the the effort and the work that we were putting in. And he made that, he made that clear and we understood that. And now I think that helped a lot. Um, that helped, you know, help us keep going and fighting and, and and we were we were working, man. It just never it never it never panned out for us at the end of the game. But I mean, I think that led to you know the, the following year the fight that you seen that we had, and the the, the 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 intensity and the you know the tenacity that we played with.
2: Yeah, it's inter- I think a lot of people forget that that 05 team. Um, I mean, you guys had a lot of talent. So obviously, you were back at receiver. Brandon was on the other yeah. side. You guys had Darcy Johnson kind of kind of patrol the middle um how how hard was it to stop you guys once you got rolling there from an offensive standpoint because there was a ton of talent on that offensive side of the ball that year
3: yeah no question offensively man I was I would have put us up against a lot of anybody I mean I think we went into we went into South Carolina I think that that year and I think we put up some you know we put up good numbers on offense and we were still kind of you know raw that was our first game or second game I think it was the first game and we still hadn't you know found our niche but I mean, I think that just set the tone for the rest of the year. You know, to play a team of that caliber that early, I mean, and, and the conference we were in at the time, you know, it was way not not nowhere near as the competition that we seen in that first game. So, I mean, but the weapons we had on offense, and I was Kevin Smith, I think, for rookie year. It was, it was it was it was one of the top ones in the country.
1: Yeah, we lost the first couple games that year, but do you remember this day, September twenty fourth, two thousand five? We're in the Citrus Bowl, Marshall. and finally, 17 games in a row comes to an end. We beat Marshall. What were your emotions that day?
3: Oh, man, it was just finally. I mean, all the work you put in, it's its almost like getting drafted. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Uh, you know, you work, and you just keep losing. you working. You're trying to find a way. You're doing everything. You think you're doing everything right anyways. And Nothing depends on it. Then finally, it comes together. And then at home was even better. And then I heard the goalpost was in the the fountain, so that made it <laughs> even
1: sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just talked to Joe Burnett about that too. he was doing yeah. the same thing. Yeah, uh, so I later, it was a great day. In, yeah. So later in the year, the game against East Carolina, you scored two late touchdowns: one to tie the game, and then one to win. Right. Yes. Or or, or one to give us a lead, and then one to put it, put the game away. Basically, yeah. what do you remember about that game? Um, I remember it vividly
3: because Brandon Marshall kept cramping, and I think he cramped his way out the whole game and in in, at the halftime. And I know, so I know I took a lot of his plays away from him. So that's how I know it. That's how I remember it vividly. Because when I got back in the locker room, he, he heard the plays that we called. He was like, "Oh man, that's my play," but he still cramped <laughs> at the same time. So I remember it greatly because I know I took some of his catching away, which he didn't appreciate. But, I mean, I appreciate him for, you know, cramping. But, <laughs> no, I remember that game. It was awesome. I think Coach called a great game that day. Um, and, I mean, Moffitt and, and, and the office was 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 ready to make the plays, and he made the plays when it, when it was time and when we needed to.
2: Yeah. Well, so Mike mentioned earlier, so it's something I want to go back to for a second. So obviously you, um, you coming in, um, you know, during the, for the first year in a cruise XO, and then the, the O4 season, you would, you personally being at, on the, on the team, you had lost 17 straight ball games. How do you keep mm-hmm. yourself like mentally prepared? Like, how do you keep yourself fighting every day and, and grinding from an athlete, from an athlete standpoint? Like what, what is it in you that sort of just makes you continue to keep fighting, even though 17 straight weeks that you hadn't come out on top?
3: Man, I mean, I think I, I think that just was. I think the locker room was 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 so close, man. Honestly, I think we did everything as a team. You know, it wasn't no separation. Um, we we, we you know we we went we we went about business like we won. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't though no, nobody long faces when we lose. It's just okay. We're gonna get it right every week. Okay, we're gonna get it right. We We got next week. We gonna win next week. And I think that helped. Our locker room was strong at, 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 at that time. I mean we had guys like Stanford Rule and Jerome Bray and James Cook and I remember those guys vividly because they helped my they helped me, you know, early in my early years so much that, you know what I mean, like our locker room was so close that we never pointed a finger at each other or it was never nobody else's fault. It was always a team thing. And I think that's what what, what helped us out a lot.
2: Yeah, so as a fan, I think one of the things that um you know was was most disappointing was you got hurt late in that rice game in the end of the, of the '5 season, um, and so you didn't get a chance to play in our first ever bowl game in the Hawaii Bowl. and obviously, I'm sure it's a bittersweet moment for you, but can you kind of describe the mixed emotions you had of you know seeing your brothers get a chance to, to make, the, make their first bowl game and, and make our mark on history, but not being able to be out in the field with them?
3: Yeah, that's probably to this day probably one of the worst weeks of my life yeah. um, in Hawaii. Um, Not only because I couldn't play with my brothers, but then I had ACL surgery a week before. And then when I got there, my wound opened up and got infected in the same knee. So, I mean, that was a whole other issue I was dealing with. But one thing about that week, my brothers, my teammates, especially Brandon Marshall, they would not let me sit in my room. I didn't want to go out anymore. I didn't want to hang out. I didn't want to do no team activities. I just want to sit in the room and I want to go to the game and I want to leave. They would not let that happen. I'm in a wheelchair. Brandon Marshall pushed me around a wheelchair the whole week. And my teammates supported me so much. Every day I had to go to practice. I mean, I was still one of the guys. Even though I was miserable, they would not let me be down. And I'll never forget that because, you know, that, those things like that are priceless. And, uh, and, that, and that's probably the most vivid memory I got of them boys, you know, keeping my spirits up and Brandon pushing me around Hawaii the whole week, you know, in a wheelchair. And, and I mean, we didn't get the game, but,
1: you know, i will never forget stuff like that. Yeah, we would have won that game if you were there, man, for sure. We would have scored how many points? We man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. would have scored eighty points in that game with you. Yep.
2: Well, credit to you because so you worked your ass off in that off season. So nine months later, you're back out on the field. You're running again, uh, running out of the home tunnel uh, against Villanova. And oh, by the way, while you were there, you you caught two TD passes. Um, can you kind of talk about how important it was for you to be out back on the field for that for that first game and? So was all the work that you went in and, and getting back on the field just like eight, nine months later after that ACL surgery?
3: Man, that was, that was one of the biggest reliefs ever. Um, I remember having to wake up every morning, and our, at the t- our head trainer at the time was Jeff Allen. He's the head trainer for Alabama right now. And he made me get in the pool. It would be 6.30 in the morning. I just had to get in the pool and run, and I used to hate it with all my heart. <laughs> Jeff, come on, man. I can't get in the pool. It's 6.30 in the morning. Can we do this, this afternoon or something? He just no. we got to do it. And every day after practice, I had to get on the leg stitching machine and the leg curl machine. And it's just so much work that people don't know that goes into rehab and getting back healthy and getting back to where you could play football. And that day, all that stuff, you know, that I had to go through, you know, went out the window and I was able to, you know, go out there and make some plays. That was just a big relief, big weight off my shoulders to know that I'm healthy, you know, because I didn't just have a regular ACL. I, I tore a lot of cartilage. And so... I mean, that's a whole nother, that's, that's like 10 times worse. So for that rehab to be that much worse was, you know, just a big relief that day.
2: Yeah. Talk about that for a second too. I think people forget this too. Like, Obviously, we're used to, you know, athletes getting injured, and unfortunately, it happens a lot. But people forget, you're still a college kid, right? You still got classes. Like, that's your senior year, right? You, st- you still got, you know, you're a young man. You're still trying to, you know, figure out your path in life. And, you know, you're rehabbing. You're going to school. You're trying to get back on the field. Like, what's that time like for you, like, at that age, just trying to get to get back to that point to get back on the field? And all the other things that kind of come I, with it with, with being in school.
3: It, it, it was worse it's worse getting hurt than actually not being hurt because now I was doing rehab two or three times a day on top of school and workouts and, and, and study hall and all that. So I really literally had no time to myself and I didn't need
1: any because it was that important for me to get back healthy. It was That would be just a cool story if you came back and just had one big game against Villanova, right? But you <laughs> didn't, You didn't even just do that. The consistency for that whole year, 2006 – you had 90 catches, which is still a UCF record, over 1,100 yards. You tripled the next closest receiver, which is Rocky Ross. So you're clearly the focal point on on the offense for us, right? And defenses are, are really keen enough to stop you. How were you able to stay so productive in that year? Man, the key is to stay healthy. I, mean, I know coming <laughs> off a knee injury,
3: that's that's pretty hard to do, but – I mean, the trainers, man, the trainers and the weight, the weight coaches were were awesome that year. I mean, they they helped me out big time, and I think they're the, probably the main reasons I got through that year because it was tough. Because honestly, when I first got back, I wasn't nowhere near 100%. I might have been 65, 70%. But you know, it's all most of it is mental when you come you're dealing with a knee. You're scared that you're gonna tear it again, and I wore a big Dunzo knee brace my whole senior year, so. And it, it, I was so scared to take it off. <laughs> so they helped me, man. They helped me big time. Um, and I think that was the key. They had the, that support from the training staff and the weight room coaches, you know, they, they make sure all my muscles are strong, you know, and, and do the extra work even before and after practice.
1: Little stuff like that was, was key. Yeah, well, after the 2005 turnaround from the winless season 2004, 2006 kind of felt like a little disappointment, no? A little letdown for you guys? Definitely.
3: Definitely was a disappointment. Um, I mean, we have big expectations, you know, uh, and we didn't meet those, and that's always a disappointment because you always want to go out there and, you know, win some games and go to a bowl game. That's always key, especially as a senior, and you weren't able to do that. So it was definitely a disappointment.
1: Any games that year kind of stick out as, man, we really messed that one up or anything like that? Um, not one in particular, cause we
3: lost. I don't think we lost like seven, or eight games that year. So all of them, really, cause you go, you don't, you never go in a game not think you're gonna win. I mean, if you think you're not gonna win a game, I don't know why you playing a game of football. Cause I never win in a game saying we're gonna get, we got, we're not gonna win or we're gonna get beat. So for us to go in there and lose every eight, eight games, I think that year was was, was outrageous.
2: Yeah, like some of these young kids don't remember. So, so your senior class, you were the last group to exclusively play all your home games in the Citrus Bowl, right? So this is pre-on-campus stadium. So there, there are some fans who probably don't even know that happened, right? Uh, but you guys closed her down with a win. Um, so for people who don't remember or never had the pleasure of heading to the old Citrus Bowl, how would you describe what it was like to play there, both from the stands, the amenities, um, just the feel? What was it like playing in the, uh, in the Citrus Bowl?
3: I mean, that's all we knew at the time. I mean, we, didn't, we didn't know a stadium was coming the year after. So, I mean, that's all we knew. And, and actually, it was it was college football to us. I mean, it was awesome. It was, We had a great fan base to meet, you know what I mean? And uh, the field was great. The locker room was great. I mean, the, the mini is great. And, I mean, that's all we knew at the time. There was no future expectations for us to get excited about anyways or to get jealous about, should I say, because I'm pretty jealous now. But... <laughs> So it was awesome. I mean, it was a great experience. The fans are great. The program was good. We were, you know, we weren't, they didn't have the best record, but I thought we were
1: playing good football. So we're recording this right now. The first round of the NFL draft is going on, right? Mm-hmm. You, were, you were drafted third round by Jacksonville, 2007. What yeah. do you remember about that day? Did you have any clue that Jacksonville was interested in you? Like, did you know you were going to be staying close to home? Actually, I didn't have a
3: clue. The only time I've even spoken or met with Jacksonville was at Pro Day. Uh, I went to the combine. I didn't see Jacksonville. Uh, They didn't invite me for a workout or a private workout. So it was kind of weird. But um, that day was crazy because it's the longest first round in NFL history. (laughs) The first round took like seven hours. So I was sitting there just waiting, and my family threw a little, you know, thing at my, at my cousin's house, and we were just sitting there waiting, and the first round took forever, and uh, I, I had a feeling I was going between second and fourth, so we were just waiting and waiting, and, you know, the first round took like seven hours, so it was like nighttime when the second round started, so i was like, oh my God, <laughs> is it going to cut it short? or In that time, the draft was, the first day was one through three rounds, so I mean, it was late. I think I drafted like ten thirty, but man, that's the best phone call I ever got till this day.
1: Um, changed my life, changed my family life, and man, I'll never forget that day. And yeah, how cool was it to be able to stay home too? It's so close. That was awesome, huh? I mean, it was
3: awesome, but it it, it, it costs a lot extra. You know, you know, you got all these family members coming to see you play. <laughs> it's great, but now you got cousins coming out of the woodworks and friends coming from out of the woodworks. But it was fun, man. I appreciate the support. I loved it. You probably said, man, I wish they
1: sent me to Seattle or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, Mike, some people forget, to. After your playing career, um, you came back to UCF in 2015, um, and you, you joined the staff as a coach, as a defensive coach, actually. Um, did you like coaching? Is that something that you wanted to pursue, or is that something you still want to pursue?
3: Um, definitely. I'm actually coaching high school right now. That's my passion. I mean, I don't know if it's just coaching or if it's just you know, working with kids and helping kids out. Man, I love to work with kids and make our youth better. Um, I want to make this world a better place, and that's what I, I try to do. I strive to do that every day, and even as coaching or mentoring or counseling, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I worked there in '15, and, and it was it, it wasn't a great year for us for UCLA <laughs> to win a game, but you know it was a great experience for me to learn other side of the ball, especially being on defense. I mean, it just raised my knowledge of the game that much higher.
2: What was it like? At, you know, I, I know you're used to, but what was it like having uh, Coach O'Leary as, as your boss, right? So now you're working for him. Um, obviously, he was he was tough on his players, but uh, I assume he was just as uh, just as tough on you guys as assistants.
3: Definitely, I mean, I, like I said, I learned when I, that's when I really learned O'Leary don't spare nobody, and not just players. I mean, coaches too. He talked to, the coaches like he talked to the players. and... I mean, when you see him, he, it, it's it's you just better have, you better have a sense of urgency, and, and you better be on alert, because you know he just demands respect. You, know, you you gotta you gotta respect a man like that. So, I mean, O'Leary is
1: great. I love that man to death. He was like a father figure to me. I, I, all right, we've asked a bunch of players this, and we asked Joe Burnett. Like he didn't know anything about it as a player, okay. but guys later knew George O'Leary as the White Horse. You, as an assistant coach in 2015, did you ever hear any of the players call him that? I've never heard that. The white horse. Yeah. I've uh, never heard that one. I've heard they a lot used of names, but not that one. <laughs> they used it as a code name for him. Anytime he would be around in the building, they would alert each other, say, white horse, white horse, white horse, just so they knew to straighten up or do it, you know, do whatever they were supposed to be doing? Nah, I never heard of the white horse. Because <laughs> oh, Jordan and had told us that some of the coaches knew about it and, they, you know, they had the players back on it. So I just wondered about that. <laughs> I never heard that cold <laughs> name. <laughs> oh, so there's another one? Um, it was different ones.
3: Um, uh, It depends on the area you played, though. You know, it depends on the locker room. They'll make a name up. I don't, I don't remember our name. I think it was some... From like the police or something, and that's—it's
2: not just O'Leary. That's any coach. <laughs> well, well, Mike, we recently saw you. So you were at—you uh, were at the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, recently uh, for for your former teammate Brandon Marshall. Obviously, Coach O'Leary was also inducted as well. Um, how often are you able to stay in touch with those guys? How often do to, do you and the kind of the old uh, UCF guys get a chance to get together and reminisce about your time at UCF and kind of where UCF is now?
3: Well, me and Brandon kind of lost a little touch, but now we're you know we're patching our relationship back up. So we're we keeping in contact. Well, we're trying to at least keeping contact, keeping contact more. So you know, guys got kids and families and jobs and stuff. So it's kind of harder now than you know early on. But I keep in contact with Andre something, which is our roommate. Also, actually, I was I coach high school with Kareem Reed, who's one of the you know former alumni that played there. He was he's the head coach at the school I was coaching at in high school here. So, I mean, you know, you keep in contact with those guys. And then sometimes, you know, you guys, you know, we're in the same city because guys live in different cities now. And they're in my city. We'll link up and, you know, just pick up back where we left off like old times. Where are you guys coaching, by the way? Are
1: you here in Florida somewhere? So, I'm in Atlanta.
3: I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So, Kareem Reed is the head coach at Westlake High School. I actually just got a new job at Griffin High School. So, he's,
1: he just left like not even a month ago. So, for the you, past three years, though, I was coaching with him. You see a lot of Heipel and his staff get up there to uh, see you guys? A lot?
3: Um, Yes. Um, But I've seen a lot of Frost staff for the past three years. Heipel just got there. So, I've seen, uh, I did see the DB coach. I, I don't remember his name, bald head, white guy. I can't think of his name. I know he's the secondary coach.
2: Willie Martinez?
3: Oh, I might be. Yes, I think he's from Miami or something, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Man. He's a pretty good, dude, man. I like him. We had a long conversation. He came for our spring game, I know for sure. Talked for a while. Pretty solid dude. So I know Hyper does have some good guys in his dad. Just by talking to him
1: alone. Have you been keeping up with the the UCF team the last few years? Um, God, of
3: course. I'm
1: I'm like the biggest UCF fan <laughs> in the world right
3: now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I take it personal, so I I can't even. I hate to even hear somebody say anything negative. It, it it personal for me. So, no question, I'm 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 there. I keep I keep up with him every single day. You know, every move. I know all the players still. You know, I, I just stay around, man. I always been like that. Even when I was playing, I would go back to the school and you know work out with the kids, go do a little seven on seven with them. Just always came back, and that's my way of getting back to the program.
2: How much has the brand changed? So when you came out in two thousand seven. Um, you know, when people said, you know, Mike Sims Walker from Central Florida, people are probably like, where's that? Right. And now 10 years later, I mean, UCF's on ESPN. Right. You know, everyone's talking about us. How much have you seen that brand change now when you interact with people and tell them you went to UCF? How much has that changed for you over the past 10 years?
3: No, it's night and day. You would never, ever, if you were going traveling somewhere to an airport when I was playing, you would never see a UCF T-shirt nowhere. Now I see UCF, and I live in Atlanta, Georgia right now, I see UCF everywhere, and it's so great to to know that, you know, my program that, you know, I help build is, you know, this is nationally known college program now, and, you know, every time you see someone with a UCF shirt, you just yell, go Knights, or you yell, charge on, and then they, you know, they reply and start a conversation, and it's just awesome, man, that we just built some type of tradition. And, you know, we have some
1: type of notoriety going on. It's, it's a great feeling. Were you at the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely, I was there. Where were you sitting? I was there,
3: too. I'm on the sideline, and then I was in Josh's suite. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Nice. So you guys yeah. had a bunch of old players all watching? Yeah, man, a lot
3: of guys from the LeJay uh uh who else is uh can't think of kamal ishmael it was a lot of guys there man we had a ball
1: it's great to see those guys oh man that sounds like a great time
2: yeah mike i'm not gonna lie to you so when uh when when collier um, got that pick in the end zone to sort of seal the win um, i had tears in my eyes how about you
3: Man, I was just tears of joy. Man. Yeah. It, was, it was a great feeling, man, because you know we never get the, you know we, get, we never get the respect. You know they haul all these big programs with the SECs and the ACCs and they haul all this Power Five stuff, and for us to go out right there and beat a perennial program like Auburn was just like a big breakthrough for us. You know, and now, you know that put us on the map, and you can't, you know, you can't really. I mean, you, we, we took the respect instead of earning it, and that was awesome.
2: All right, Mike, we appreciate your time. So we uh, we end every interview with some uh, 10, like, random questions, right? So we ask you kind of random stuff about UCF, about life, about music, movies, whatever. So, cool. uh, so we got 10 random ones for you, man. So are you ready for these? Let's do it. All right, so you talked about this earlier. You played DB for a while, um, but obviously on that team was Brandon Marshall. So I assume you guys went against each other in practice, right? And if so, who won the battle between Brandon the wide receiver and Mike Sims Walker the DB?
3: I can't lie. If we did one-on-ones, routes, I would win. But if we did tackling drills, <laughs> Burnham would
1: win. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Could you or anybody on the team beat Coach Cruz in an arm wrestling contest? I don't know. We call Coach Cruz RoboCop
3: because he <laughs> was just ripped. The guy had no body fat. So I doubt anybody would have beat him in arm wrestling.
1: What about today, even even in his age today, I think he still take a lot
3: of guys. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. Hope, but I, if, by you saying that, I'm sure he don't look too much different. Yeah, I think he's still jacked. Yeah. You
2: know. All right. So one thing I was looking at some highlights of you, Mike, as we were preparing for the interview, and one thing that was jumped out to me that was crazy. You played a lot of games on AstroTurf, man. How much did that stuff hurt to play on? It's it's like unbelievable. That's what you guys played on back then. How much did AstroTurf hurt?
3: Man, I hated it. Actually, I, I tore my knee on the last AstroTurf in the world, in the country. <laughs> so at Rice, that was the last AstroTurf in the country. And then tore my knee up my junior year, the last game of the season. So I hated AstroTurf. It just, it's just, it's not realistic for me. Um, you, you don't even wear cleats on AstroTurf. So it, I hated it every time we played on it, actually.
2: Was it just like playing on concrete? I mean, was it that was it that hard?
3: Um, It's more like playing on hard carpet. Man, that's basically what it is. It's hard carpet. You wear like you wear tennis shoes on it. I mean, and it's just and for for a skilled guy like me who does all that running and cutting and stopping and going, it's just terrible. All
1: right. Do you remember Nitro's ex-girlfriend glycerin? Remember that the other a mascot that we had? It was it was a female nitro? Ooh, I don't know if I'm old enough for that one. No, she was I don't
3: remember
1: a girlfriend now. Yeah, she was there the same time you were. <laughs> she was there the really? Same time. The question was going to be, is she hot or not? I asked. I don't know if you remember Dexter Lyons. He was on the basketball team the same time you were. No, there. I definitely remember Dexter Lyons. He said she was hot. I agreed with him. I, I wanted to get your opinion, but I guess you don't remember. I gotta see her face. Gotta, <laughs> well, her well face. she looks like Nitro, <laughs> I gotta see
3: her face. With a female body. Too many crackbacks. Too many crackbacks. Crack That's fair.
2: <laughs> That's fair. Uh, speaking of crackbacks, what's the hardest hit you ever took?
3: College or NFL.
2: Either, yeah. Just the hard, When you got up and you were like, man, I don't know what just happened right there.
3: Um, oh, I took some hits now. Um, probably NFL, I think it was my first or second year preseason. We played Washington Redskins in Washington. And I, was, I went across the middle and a safety name, I think his name was Chris Horton. I think he played at UCLA. He cleaned me up. I was, you know, quarterback was a little late. You know, I got to blame it on somebody. <laughs> quarterback was a little late. I still caught it, but he, 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 he. He took advantage. He took advantage. He, he he got me pretty good. Knocked the wind out of me. I couldn't. Yeah, it was bad.
2: Do you say anything after something like that happens? Do you say, like, good hit? Or do you, you know, do you slap him on the rear end? Like, what do you do when um, someone claims you like that? I
3: couldn't. I could barely breathe. So I definitely <laughs> barely could. I definitely wasn't going to talk. <laughs> nah, you don't, um, I don't. I don't. Anyways, I mean, you got me. I mean, if I can talking, talk, you got me. Good job. But, you know, that's about it. I'm losing a
1: big. Trash talker unless somebody talked to me. Right, you're about the same age as us. You're actually a little bit younger than us, so I'm guessing the music's probably about the same. So, are you a Tupac guy or a Biggie guy? I'm a Tupac guy. Um, I don't know why. I'm just I'm I'm,
3: I'm not really a big up north hip hop guy. I think they they are too arrogant when it comes to hip hop. They like to you know put it in one. Category instead of, you know, bringing it out. I'm, I'm more
2: of a two-part guy than a big guy. All right, so we ask the hard-hitting questions around here, Mike. So this is a tough one. All right, as we sit here today, who is the best college football team in the state of Florida? Today? Today, right now, today.
3: Is that a question?
2: It's a question, yeah. <laughs> I can't
3: be a serious question. Well, here's he, he, yeah.
2: here's kind of why I want to ask it, right? So I know you're.
3: What are we talking about?
2: Well, I know your I know your nephew is a, is a highly uh, uh, touted QB prospect, but I believe he's yeah. committing to FSU. So, um, so I'm yeah. curious from from the Sims Walker household, who's the who's the best team in Florida right now?
3: I mean, I, my nephew's a great talent, but we're talking about teams. We're not talking about one player. <laughs> Um, it's not even close. UCF is, is definitely the number one team in Florida. That's probably been the past two or three years. That's not even a discussion to argue about. Um, my nephew is a great quarterback, and he's going to do good things at Florida State. But, yeah, it's not even close. UCF is – I mean, nobody – I mean, how many people can debate that?
2: Well, that's the thing is what's wrong with people? Because there are people who legit think that Florida or, or Miami or FSU is, is better. Is that just people just being biased because they know, they know the name more?
3: Yeah, I think it's a popularity contest at this point. Um, that's all I can think of. Because, I mean, you look at it's nothing else you can convince yourself to say that. If you look at the past three years, like, how could you even realistically look at stats or numbers or whatever it is? Nothing could possibly tell you that UCF is not number one school in, in the country and in, in the state of Florida right now.
1: All right. What was your go to hangout spot around UCF when you were there? You have any Ooh, uh dope. nightclubs, you bars, you. where'd
3: you guys your... go? I wasn't really the I ain't gonna sit up here and say I was a saint or <laughs> you know, like just the quiet guy <laughs> to sit in his dorm room, but around UCF, it wasn't really, you know, that wasn't really I'm from Orlando. So, you know, I'd rather just go back to my side of town, what I'm where, who I'm where, who I'm more familiar with, with my friends and stuff. So I would venture off that way more than just hang around the UCF area, the college crowd.
1: You go downtown to those bars out there? Yeah,
3: so when I was in college, probably around my sophomore, junior, senior year, we would go to. It was a club called Icons downtown, and that's where you know that's that's probably my more of my stomping grounds. That
1: yeah, sounds familiar. I, I think it's me. called
3: it's called Tier right now. It was called Icons when I was
1: in college, so that was our
3: spot.
2: All right, Mike. So you're you're a uh, you're a great a great wide receiver, great hands. But if you could catch a pass from any quarterback, dead or alive, just one pass, who would you want to catch a pass from?
3: Mm, that's a great question. Ooh, dead or alive. Wow. Mm. So I believe that Peyton Manning was probably the best quarterback ever played football. But if I could catch a pass from somebody, I'd probably say Michael Vick, just because of how dynamic he was. Uh, that got to be the most dynamic quarterback I've ever seen in my life.
2: What do you think? So obviously tonight in the draft, Kyler Murray went first. We think. Uh, what do you think of his game?
3: I love it, man. That, that kid's a winner. Um, uh, you can't measure heart. You can say how short he is or whatever. You can all that measurable stuff. I hate. I hate to hear that because that kid does nothing but win. He does nothing but produce. Um, and I love it. I love it. everyone and anybody beats the odds and you know be the underdog or everybody say what they want. No, they try to bring up everything else but his talent and you know his his resume and you can't i mean you can't you can't knock the kid for being great and he's a great talent and i love it
1: all right what is your favorite place to go on vacation
3: so mm, i I mean right now i'm at an age where i just like to travel i like to see the world i'm not a big party goer or clubber anymore um I'm married with three kids, so you know, we like to travel and get a chance to. So right now I just I just left a place in Mexico called Tulum. And that might just top that I think that just that's just took
1: the number one spot. What is it? The beaches there where they got a lot of history. Yes, there? it's the beaches. It's the it's the architect. It's like a it's
3: like a jungle field, but it's more like it's architect included. It's just different than the other beaches and resorts we've traveled to you know in the past you know what I mean some of that stuff gets you know it gets feel like the same you know you go to a resort you get a beach you jet ski you snorkel you do all that stuff but this was a different and this was what I like I liked it so Tulum Mexico was probably probably jumps to the number one spot on my list that's what cool. what is
1: that on the west side of Mexico
3: it's south, so it's all the way south of Mexico. I think it's like the last city in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong.
2: We'll check that out. Well, Mike, listen, we uh, we appreciate you hopping on and, uh, and spending some time with us and, and going through your UCF career and uh, putting up with our nonsense here at the end, man. So uh, it's always great, man, to to get somebody on the show like yourself, man. You're, you're one of the OGs of UCF football, um, and it's awesome to hear how much you continue to ride for the program and how proud you are to be an alum. Um, and, and how well you continue to represent UCF, man. So I know I, I'm, I'm half a night, fans. I appreciate, you know, what you've done for the program and, and how you're continuing to make sure that, uh, you know, you talk about UCF and, uh, and you support the program as, as well too, man. So I can't, I can't thank you enough, and uh, we appreciate you for hopping on the show.
3: Man, I appreciate you having me. I had a pleasure talking with you guys, and good night.
2: I'm Jeff Allen. Join
1: me each week for unique yet common sense opinions on sports on the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Podcast. We will break down the sports world minus the hot takes with prominent guests and my stable of sports guys. It's sports conversation the way it should be.
0: Search Jeff Allen Sports Talk wherever you get your podcast, or go to jeffallensportstalk.com.
1: There are cows among us.
2: Adam and Mike will tell you who. All right, uh, cow of the Week time, Mike. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed the Mike Sims Walker conversation again. We're going to do our best to bring some of these back to you, particularly over the summer where there's maybe not a lot going on and you just want to – listen to a couple of these conversations. We'll find some creative ways to get them out to you. Uh, and uh, you heard our big three list. So maybe you'll see a lot of those features as well, Mike. Uh, and if you want an update on last week's Cal of the Week, I nominated my daughter uh, because of a uh, potential question she missed that uh, her teacher asked her about UCF sports. I revealed exclusively what that was on the live show. You can find that either on our Facebook or, our, or well, actually our Facebook page and our Twitter account. Uh, you also find it on our website, two nights media.com. And you can uh, find it on YouTube as well. Uh, and there's also an audio version, so if you want to know what happened there um, and whether or not I need to rescind my Cow of the Week for my daughter, you can uh, you can check back on all those and find out what really went down there, Mike. But let's talk about what went down this week. What caught your attention, my friend, for your uh, Cow of the Week nominee?
4: All right, we're at the time of year now where, yeah, there's no baseball hasn't really cranked up yet. You know, we're on the dog days of summer. Season's kind of just underway. There's no football going on. But this is a great time for sports. The basketball playoffs, if you're into the NBA, are just cranked up. And one of my favorites that I love every year I get into it, the NHL hockey Stanley Cup playoffs are back, baby. And this year, my team, the Florida Panthers, are in it, which doesn't happen very often. Every once in a while, they, they sneak their way into the playoffs. They usually get bumped in the first round. This year, they have a very good team. They're playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending champions. Or Obviously, it's a very tough team to play against. It's been an exciting, fun series. Game one of this series, it might be the best hockey game I've ever seen in my life. Just the hitting, the back and forth. There were four lead changes, nonstop action the whole time. And you probably missed it because you can't find what channel these games are on. Mm. (laughs) These games are on CNBC. One of the games were on USA. Uh, You got NBC Sports Network. Every... Freaking game in this series is on a different channel. The last couple of ones have been on CNBC. Uh, this this got to be better. Hockey's got to get better treatment than this and these channels that they're putting on. Um, I think they're finally going to back to ESPN. I think there's a deal coming next year, right? Yep. Hockey's going back to the ESPN. That's correct. Uh, as much as I hate ESPN and the, the whole thing that it stands for, I can't wait for that because <laughs> to, to flip around and try to figure out what's where the games are on, it's a hassle. And for the first round, they still broadcast the game with your local broadcasters, right? So I still get my Panther announcers. You got Steve Goldie Goldstein on the call. Problem was for game one, I, I flipped to what's called Bally Sports now, channel 654 on my DirecTV, and it said it was blacked out. I couldn't even watch the game on that channel. I was forced to switch over to NBC Sports Network. I assumed that was going to be the case for game two, so I ended up going there again for game two. And now for the last couple games, I've actually been able to watch it with the home broadcast, which has been nice, but just hockey needs better treatment. man. I remember growing up as a kid watching hockey on ESPN, you know, th- those games were great. Steve Levy on the call. The games always went to like four overtimes. Um, it, just uh, Barry Melrose, all those guys. It, it was great. I loved watching hockey growing up as a kid, but it was so easily to, it was so easy to get to. You know, you go straight to ESPN. Now I'm hunting every week, every night, trying to figure out what channel the the Islanders game's on, what channel the Panthers game's on. And if you haven't gotten into hockey, man, even if you don't follow hockey on a day-to-day basis, put on a playoff game and tell me it's not one of the most exciting things you've ever seen. Just now the crowds are back into it. They're allowing a lot more people at the games now. It's fantastic, man. Playoff hockey, nothing beats it.
2: Do I have it right? Saturday's game was on uh, at noon on CNBC. Do I have that right?
4: I think Saturday, was well, Saturday's game, the one that was on USA, one of these was on USA. Uh, yeah, it was a 1230 game. Last night's game, which was game five, was on CNBC. CNBC yeah. I think, I, I forget which one was on USA. It was either game three or game four. One of them was. And then the other ones, are, two of them have been on CNBC. I think the first two were on NBC Sports Network. But that's another thing. If you're going to have a series, just have the whole series on one channel, Yeah. right? Why bounce it around? So have all the Panther games on CNBC if you're going to do it that way. Have all the Islander games, which has been the other series that's been on at the same time. Have those all on on uh, NBC Sports Network. And this way I'm not looking around trying to figure out where the games are. That's all. Make it easier for the fans. Stop trying to confuse us.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. You're right. It's going to ESPN next year. How that's going to work, I don't know because that's a lot of inventory for ESPN to play when, you know, they've got basketball, they've got you know college sports at that point in time. So I'm uh, curious to see how ESPN fits that in. You might get some more ESPN Plus in your life there. Uh, my uh, my guy of the week, Mike. I'm going to stay. I, I got two options. I was going to go with LeBron for not getting suspended for um, uh, for going and breaking uh, COVID protocol by going out to an event, but uh, that seems like a real easy one, Mike. My guy of the week is. I'm going to stay in kind of the same genre as You. I'm going to go with my um, sort of the sports team I always kind of follow around playoff time. That is the Miami Heat, who I don't know if they you if you know this or not, Mike. They actually had a game uh, Monday night. I don't know if you knew that um, because it certainly seems like the Heat didn't know that because they got blown out one thirty-two to ninety-eight and uh, they just looked lifeless the entire game uh, and here's the problem like all all season long Jimmy Butler who I think is a really good player and I think he's a dynamic leader he's been saying get us to the playoffs and I'll take care of the rest and you know the, the Heat had chances to upgrade their roster at times and didn't do that we ended up with Victor Oladipo who played all the four games and is gone uh, so we essentially traded Kelly Olynyk, who at least had some shooting ability for Dwayne Dedman who's probably our best player right now oddly enough um and really nothing to, to show for it. Uh, Duncan Robinson is great, but he needs some help and get a shot off. Tyler Hero, where you been? Uh, and, and it just hasn't worked out. And for a Heat team, I think that was super cocky, um, which is fine, uh, because they had a finals appearance last year. Uh, and I think a team that they thought maybe would be able to, to contend, they had the same pieces back, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic. And uh, it just has not worked out. And they got flat out embarrassed by Milwaukee. Now, that was one of those shooting nights where Milwaukee couldn't miss Uh, But they got flat-out embarrassed uh, by Milwaukee for a team that, you know, uh, beat Milwaukee last year and was seeming to be pretty confident they could take him again this year. Uh, So far, that has not worked out, Mike. So maybe this rant that they will never listen to will fire them up. But I'm going to go with my Miami Heat as my Cow of the Week.
4: Not having the season I guess you guys all hoped for coming off the NBA Finals last year, right? Yeah. Where's Jimmy Butler been? Isn't he the— The guy that came and said, hey, put me on your back, just get me to the playoffs, and when we get there, I'm taking you guys all the
2: way. That's the guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, Jimmy is a great player, but he's not a shooter. Uh, He's a slasher, driver, defensive guy, so he's got to get to the bucket, get to the free throw line a bunch. Um, You know, Milwaukee's playing him tough, uh, and he's also relying on guys to hit shots on the outside. That's not happening. Draga, Hira, Robinson, uh, Trevor Ariza, you know, who we acquired, uh, midway through again, we should have Depot. We don't. Bam out of bio has been really tentative. So it's just not been a pretty, uh, two game stretch. They actually probably could have won game one. Uh, but, uh, Jimmy got us to overtime in game one. We couldn't pull that one out. Uh, but it just doesn't, doesn't look like the, the right team right now. And they're not, they're not hitting the right buttons. And, uh, to get embarrassed by, uh, 34 points, in Game Two of the playoffs, uh, I mean, I, I guess you're going to lose here and there. Although as we're talking, Brooklyn is embarrassing Boston, so maybe that's not any better. Uh, but uh, I, I expect more of the Heat. I expect a more fight, and we didn't get that in Game Two.
4: Well, a good thing is this still only counts as one loss. Right? You can lose by two or you can lose by thirty. It doesn't make a difference. The loss is a loss. You're still, two only down 2-0 in the series. That's happened many times. You can come back from that. You're going home, right? The season, the series hasn't even started yet, according to the way most NBA fans look at it. The, season, the series doesn't start until you win a road game, so all Milwaukee did was win their two home games. Now Miami, it's Miami's turn to come home and take care of business themselves. So if you're a if you're a team that has dreams on going to the finals and this and that, being down two nothing shouldn't scare you too much, especially against a team that you just handled last year. So you should have some still some confidence against these guys. I, I don't think the Heat fan. I I, I listen to the of radio down here. A lot of them sound like they're giving up on it. It sounds like maybe you're you're heading that way too. JP Gilbert sounds very depressed after the last game. Um but keep your heads up, man. This is two nothing. You still got a long way to go in this series. Win the next game and you're right back in it.
2: We'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, maybe this will, this will fire them up a little bit, but certainly has not been the uh, the playoff run I think we had all hope for, Mike. But uh, hopefully the uh, playoff run continues for the baseball team again. Uh, check back with us Thursday night live uh, on the Sons of UCF live show featuring Mr. Trace Troco That'll be uh, eight PM on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube, or on our website twonightsmedia At that point, we'll should know more about the baseball uh, score, so we can bring you some of that stuff. I know Trace is lining up some great guests, so make sure you check that out Thursday. Again, follow us on all the social media stuff. We'd be uh, We'd be happy to entertain you the best that we can. Uh, and uh, we're coming on those on those times after the baseball season kind of comes to an end. We have some tennis uh, guys who are uh, vying for singles titles. Uh, uh, and so we'll see how that shakes out here. But uh, we're getting down to the, the end of the sports calendar, and this is the time where it gets more and more interesting. So stick with us at the Suns UCF. We will find ways to keep you entertained throughout the summer. We uh, we definitely promise.
4: By the time we do our live show on Thursday night, we should know what the baseball team has done already. I think the game starts at 3 on Thursday, right? So by 8 o'clock, we should have an idea of whether we advance to Saturday or we're going to have to fight our way to the losers bracket on friday and, it, and then have to win two games saturday that would be tough so thursday thursday afternoon is a must win for the baseball team if we want to get anywhere in this tournament
2: and we will recap it all with you then so until then everybody have a fantastic week thanks again for listening as always and uh we will talk to you guys all on uh, on the live show until then everybody uh be safe be healthy go knights miles on.
0: absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner
2: sports social podcast network it is
1: ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper